0: Good to see each one back tonight and for us to have another privilege and opportunity to study God's Word together. And I do enjoy the Sunday night lessons on favorite Bible passages. I have about six more that are left that have been given to me, and I have another one or two that I may add to the list. This is one of the ones that was given to me as one of your favorite Bible passages I will tell you that as you begin to think about the various passages and as to why they are favorites, sometimes a favorite passage may reflect a conviction that is very important to us. You know, some of the passages that I have are those to me that reflect an enthusiasm, and encouragement, Uh, I think about some great passages like, for instance, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there's some of these passages that reflect something that is at the very core of our beliefs and of our conviction. In the book of Revelation that John penned, was important to that first century church because it provided for them some great encouragement under difficult circumstances. They needed to hear this message of hope. They needed to see a message of possibility. And the truth is is that this message can also be of great encouragement to those of us who are Christians in this generation as well. And I believe that tonight's lesson can be one that can hopefully, be important to us. We're going to look at three things from verses 18 and 19 of Revelation chapter 22. The first one is going to be that of responsibility. What responsibility do I have in this regard? Number two, we're going to look at adding, and then number three, we're going to look at subtracting. Let's begin, first of all, with what John writes in the first part of verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. When you use the word everyone, that's fairly encompassing. Because that does not mean that anyone is left out of the importance of this message. I will tell you that if you read commentaries, many of them will say that this only refers to those copyists who would copy the the subsequent copies of the book of Revelation and pass them along to other churches as if it was a warning not to modify its contents. Now we do know that in the first century when you sent a letter, you couldn't go to the copy machine and make multiple copies of it. Nor could you go to a printing press and there be printed copies that would be distributed Every copy was made by hand. And there was a sense of responsibility on the part of the copyist to copy it correctly. But I will tell you that if you study the background of textual criticism, you will find out that throughout history there have been people who felt that the copy that they got was not good. And so they would try to add a word or subtract a word or change a word to try to make it more clear in their minds. But I don't believe that's what he's talking about. And the reason why is John puts the responsibility upon the hearers of the message. He doesn't say to just those of you who will be copying. He says to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, that means that you and I cannot take God's Word and make it mean anything we want it to mean. That me as a hearer, when I hear God's Word read or when I read God's Word, I can't simply say, you know what, I think it means this. Or I believe you can take it to mean that. I have to be sure that I take it exactly as God intended it. And you see, as I read the book of Revelation, the hearers are very important. If you go all the way back to chapter 1 and you look at verse 3, John said, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are written in it, for the time is near. We think about John writing and saying, Blessed is Or happy is that man who reads those things. But not everybody would be a reader. Many times when the message would come to a congregation, there would be a reader come up in front of the church and would read Scripture. And for those who would hear what it says to do, listen to it and do it, there was a blessing pronounced upon him. But it doesn't take a person long to realize that when you get to chapters 2 and 3, to the seven churches, he ends each of them with a familiar statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 7, to Ephesus he says, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You hear what he says, and he says, Who has ears, listen. Chapter 13, verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. So there's an importance placed upon that. But I think also you have to put something in context as well. When you read verses 18 and 19, you may tend to think that John is somehow recording the words of Jesus as he summarizes this lesson But listen to verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. The Spirit refers to the Spirit of God. The Bride is the Bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through verse 31. But then he says, and let him who hears say, come. If I hear God's word and I understand it, I ought to be telling other people how valuable it is to have the spiritual water that nourishes a man unto eternal life. So the hearer is very important. But he says, the words of this prophecy the word prophecy is found in the Bible means two things. It always means forth telling in the sense that you speak forth God's message. Occasionally it also includes foretelling that is something that is to come in the future. Generally today when we use the word prophecy, we tend to think of someone who's going to tell the future events. in the Bible, That could be the case, but it's always foretelling God's message. But in John's case, it's also foretelling what is going to come into the future. But what he is saying here, you've got to understand that this is a message from God. In Galatians 1, beginning with verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon turning away from Him who called you into the grace of Christ unto a different gospel which is not another, only there are some who would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. Now listen carefully to verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than what you we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul is saying the same thing as John. If the message is from God, you don't tamper with it. You don't change it. You don't pervert it. Because it is God's message to which you are speaking, Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 22. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. He goes on to explain that if a man speaks presumptuously, That is, he says it of his own heart. God didn't inspire him to say this. It's not from God. He says, you don't have to be afraid of him. But if the words do come from God, you've got to listen to them. And you've got to not modify them, not change them. Well, now let's move to the part of the lesson which is really the meat, where John specifically, at the direction of Jesus and his writing, says... If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. To add something is to change it. Now sometimes people don't understand that, particularly in regard to the medical field. Sometimes a person doesn't understand that if you mix two things together, you may, for instance, make something more powerful than it was intended to be, or even less effective than it was intended to be. That's the reason why the pharmacists and the doctors will tell you, you be careful about what medicines you are taking and even what supplements and things because you can make something more powerful or less powerful than it was intended to be. You, just, you have to understand you take it like it was written. You don't add to it. You don't modify it in any way. Listen to the Old Testament. Moses was giving God's law to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. They had not only received that message, now you have a new generation in the book of Deuteronomy that are ready to cross over into the promised land. This new generation is no longer going to have Moses with them. He's going to die on Mount Nebo. You're no longer going to have all those fathers. In fact, you're only going to have two From the previous generation, Joshua and Caleb are going to go over. The rest of them have died. They need to understand there's a message here. He said, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandment of the Lord your God which I command you. Chapter 12, verse 32. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it that you do not or shall not add to it or take away from it. Pretty stern words. Proverbs 30 verse 6, Solomon said, Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You don't try to modify God's words or you'll be found out to be the one who'll be a liar. But the truth is, in biblical times there were people who did that. When you come to the book of Acts, you realize that God had the apostles to teach the truth. They taught what men must do and must not do in order to be a Christian and to live a Christian life. However, while Paul was at Antioch, while he and Barnabas were at Antioch, there were people who came and were adding to God's plan. Listen as Luke records. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. You drop down verse 10. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? They were saying to the Gentiles, you essentially have to become a Jew and keep that Old Testament law or you can't be saved. They'd added to God's divine plan. But whenever we do add to God's divine plan, we create our own doctrines. It's no longer God's doctrine. It's now our doctrine. For instance, if your physician tells you to take XYZ and you say, You know, the doctor said to take one of these a day, but I think I'm going to take five. You've changed his orders. You've changed and now He is no longer the one treating you, but you're treating you. It's now become your commandments. I want you to listen to Matthew chapter 15 beginning with verse 6. They had taken God's law about honoring father and mother and changed it to the point where He says that they need not honor father and mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect. By your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, it wasn't God that they were listening to. It was to themselves. You drop down to verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. You think you want to create your own laws, your own doctrines? God's going to uproot those. Some religious organizations today have added to God's plan for church organization. You know, I could spend a lot of time here talking about what other people are doing. But where in the Bible do you read about having a pope? Where do you read in the Bible about cardinals? What about archbishops? Where do you read about a man or even a group of men having authority over a group of congregations? Where do you read in the Bible about a man being called a pastor who does not meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 or Titus chapter 1, who is single-handedly directing the affairs, that is, he by himself, of a local church? You don't see that. But you see men have come along and they said, that, you know, that works. We can do that. They've added to God's plan. Some have added to God's plan for worship. Some places have decided that they want to add various elements to the worship. Years ago, the, the big thing was to add instrumental music. Let, let's enhance our worship by adding some other feature to it people would say, well, let's add some jazz to our worship. Let's make it more uh, spiced up. Let's add more drama. Let's add more of, of mood set. No. God set forth what he wanted in his will. And we don't change that. We don't add to it. David decided when it comes to transporting the Ark of the Covenant... Even though God's law was very plain very clear, there are rings on both sides of that chest, you put these two poles through it and you bear it on the shoulders of those priests. But David had a new cart made. They put that Ark of the Covenant on the, that new cart. The oxen that was carrying it stumbled. Uzzah reached out his hand to study and God struck him dead there. Why? Because they changed God's plan. Some religions have added books, additional books, claiming a revelation from God. Some of you may have friends who refer to themselves as Latter-day Saints. We commonly call them Mormons. They hold to the teachings of Joseph Smith found in the Book of Mormon. Doctrines and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, those three sets of books. And they'd say, we believe that these are also from God. Or you can find people who follow the writings of Mary Baker Eddy or Ellen White or others. And the truth is, God does not want anyone adding to His Word. And I will tell you, Jude verse 3, that says, the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So God said if they add to it, I am going to add to them the plagues that are written herein. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you read the book of Revelation, you realize that some very powerful figurative language is used to try to tell us how bad God's punishment would be. I just want to refer to a couple of sections One is found in Revelation chapter 14 beginning with verse 10. And he's talking about the person that is receiving the plague of God. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, whoever receives the mark of his name. I tell you what, I would hate to know that I received full strength the wrath of God. You know, you look just at a few of the things on our earth and how powerful they are. I think about things like the tsunami that occurred a few years ago. Think about the hurricanes that have leveled people's homes. They've flooded people's houses. You think about the tornadoes that have come through the south. Many of them with tremendous devastation. Those are just meager drops in the power that God has. I'd hate to know that I had to have God's wrath full strength. Or you get to chapter 20, verses 10 and verse 15. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 15, and if any was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Two or three times in my lifetime, I've been burned. The most painful was when I was probably about eight or nine years old. In our kitchen, we had a little stove that had a stove pipe that came up early in the morning, getting ready to school, and I turned around and I hit this part of my arm on that red hot pipe. That skin just sizzled. Remember, I had to put some kind of ointment or cream on it. It seemed like forever. Wear gauze on it to keep it from getting infected. That intense pain was just only for a second. I cannot imagine being a lake of fire and brimstone day and night, forever and ever. I don't want the plagues of God added to me. Number three is that of subtracting. Listen to what he says in verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. See, subtracting changes God's word as well. Whenever God says, do this, and I take something away, it's no longer what God told me to do. Now, this generally occurs when a person does not like something that God says. We could explore a number of biblical examples. Perhaps one of the clearest is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36, I will give you a little bit of background. They found the law of the Lord, and they are going to read it in front of Jehoiakim. And this law that has been written, and uh, it's Jeremiah's writing, he—they're not going to like. He's not going to like it at all. Listen as Jeremiah records, and they went into the, to the king into the court. But they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber and Jehudai read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudi read three or four columns that the king cut it with a scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. He didn't like that. If I don't like it, I'll just cut it out. I don't know if you noticed the photo that was on the initial screen that had the text, but there were sections... Of that Bible that was cut out. You know there really are people. Who do take. Whether it's a pen knife or a pair of scissors. And actually cut passages out of their Bible. If you don't like it. Cut it out. That's exactly the attitude. Of course he went ahead and burned it here. But some do this mentally. Or by what they teach. The same way as Jehoiachim. There's a lot of people that when it comes to specific areas that conflicts with what they're doing, they mentally say, I'm not going to regard that. What about when the preacher or the elders stand up and emphasize no Christian should be involved in drinking alcoholic beverages, recreationally, social drinking? Somebody says, "I I don't know if I agree with that. What about when the preacher's where Steve or myself, when we're up here and we're teaching about dancing and the immorality that goes with that, the word lasciviousness or licentiousness that's found in your Bible, that's the word. Oh, I you know. I know. My, it's all right for the kids to go to the prom. It's all right for them to go to the dances. You are mentally saying, no, I don't have to do that. How does that differ any at all from what Jehoiakim was doing? Or what about those preachers who will choose, I'm only going to teach just so much, I'm not going to teach it all, I'm going to cut part of it out for my teaching because I know that's going to make somebody upset. That's going to offend somebody. Listen to Luke chapter 11 and verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. When you take away something from God's Word so people do not hear it, do not follow it, then you're changing it. Listen to Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He's not condemning the fact that they had been very careful in what they had tithed, which was a part of their Old Testament obligation. But he said what you have done is the more important things, such as justice, mercy, and faith, you've ignored those. Sometimes when a preacher will preach, People will say, Amen, because that's what they agree with. Others will say, I just don't think I'm going to pay attention to that part. The result is being subtracted from the blessings written. Now, I will tell you that when it comes to religious matters, there's a lot of people today who cut baptism out of the Bible. They teach a faith-only doctrine. There's a lot of people who, when it comes to doing various parts, they'll just say, I'm just going to choose to ignore that. I'm going to subtract it. God said, I'm going to subtract the blessings. What about the book of life? That's God's record. That's His book. And every name in it gets to go to heaven. But you know what? God can blot a name out. Just like a name can be written there. God said I'm going to take away his part from the holy city. That's the new Jerusalem that comes down from above. And from the blessings that go along with them. God means what he says. He doesn't want anybody tampering with his message. And if it were you, you wouldn't want somebody tampering with your message either. And it would be bad to have to endure the plagues, but it will also be awful to miss these blessings. This evening, I want to ask you the question. Have you been obedient to the pure gospel that is found in Scripture? Have you taken and followed the true teachings that are found in Scripture? If you're part of some man-made organization, you can't have done that. Because you've listened to the doctrines and the commandments of men. What you need to do is be obedient to everything that you find written in the Scriptures in that New Testament teaching. Sometimes we as Christians are just as guilty as the people of this world when we choose what parts of the Scripture we want to obey and what parts we don't want to obey. Maybe it's you recognize that in your life now, and if you do, you have an opportunity to correct it. If you need to respond, would you come as we stand and sing